from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry. Hi, this is Michelle. And this is Mark, and we're all in sync. We're laughing. Up. We are again. We are getting better. Like Michelle said this morning, we're getting better and better and better at clapping. <laughs> and that's about it. That's about it. Don't no, know what day it is, but... No, that's not what I said. In. I said... Um, <clears throat> I was thanking my co-host. I listen to our shows every morning <clears throat> on my way into the show, and I was thanking my co-host because we have put a lot of work into this, and I... And very appreciative of the opportunity and very appreciative of the quality of the show. So thank you, Rick and, yeah, Rick. and Perry and Mark and everybody <clears throat> that's part of the show. It just, I, I don't know, like maybe it's just, maybe this is the all about me, you know, phase of my <laughs> life or something. But this, it's such a great show. Mm-hmm. I love it. And it's such a great team effort. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's one of my favorite podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, See, it's I've not been my saying top it's 10, been, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's probably not the top 10 that you listen to. That's true. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a great show. It's, I've always said it was fantastic. The content has been great. The guests have been great. We've developed a really good rapport between the three of us. Um, and it's just going to get better. Yep. Just yep, like yep. Dylan McGaster. Yep, yep. Yeah. 580,000, I think, last time I checked. What's that? My video on Dylan McGaster's channel. Oh, it wow. is all about you. <laughs> I was thinking about Dylan McGaster's production quality and the show, how he has, like, he reached that tipping point in 150 videos. I'm wondering if we're going to do the same thing at 150 episodes. Maybe. It could be. It might, maybe, maybe. It might take 300 episodes. Maybe, maybe. Or a thousand. Good article in the local rag, the Willamette Week newspaper here in Portland, Oregon. Story, cover story about tiny houses in Portland. They ask, are tiny houses a solution to the rental crisis or just a good-looking good looking symptom of it? Who's read this article? I have not. I'm <laughs> going to steal it. Neither have I. I just picked it. it up. But it it's looks new. pretty good. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Well, I'm, I live on the outskirts of Portland, so I don't have ready access to the Willamette right. Weekly. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, definitely I will. And you and I were chatting over <clears throat> before the show and... Uh, and uh, at least I know one of the tiny houses in there, right? Yeah. At least I know one of them. Yeah. yeah. And we'll t- probably talk about this next week after we have a chance to digest it. Yeah, I would like to because, yeah. as you know, it's a, it's a political hot topic for everybody. Yeah. yeah. But this front page story reflects that it's a really, really hot political topic here. Well, they just had the ADU uh, live big. No, what was it? Build, live big, tiny build small big summit. Party explosion. No. <laughs> <laughs> they just had yeah. a big ADU summit here recently. Um, there's a weird off-brand uh, tiny house show here at the convention center this weekend. Huh. Um, yeah, Portland, you you almost can't pick up the paper in a given week and not see something That's about exactly it. Right. So That's true. It is. It's yeah. pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And but the big news here at the tiny house studio, tiny house podcast studio, uh, owned by Bigfoot Media, <laughs> is um, Michelle was out of town last week. Yes. And where were you? I was in Texas at the uh, the Wham Bam. Thank you, ma'am. Tiny <laughs> Tiny House Simple Living Jamboree. Well, you know the question that's probably at the forefront of all of our listeners' minds is, did um, Artisan Josh make it on time? 
He did. He did? He did. There you go. And then he the did. second question is, how many how many pair of boots did you take? <laughs> <laughs> Notice there's I made the wrong. same yeah. mistake yeah. again. Oh, yeah. I overpacked. <laughs> I had eight pairs of boots. Um, I overpacked, so I had to do the whole take it out of my main bag, put it in the second bag thing. Um, yes, eight pairs of boots to answer that question. And yes, Josh made it on time. Nice. Drove straight through 36 hours or something straight through. He's a monster. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. Speaking of crazy, <laughs> our, the guest that we have on the show today was featured, what was it, like two years ago, Mark? Yeah, in January 2016. January 2016. We spoke to this young man. It was fresh out of the dumpster. Fresh out of the dumpster, exactly. <laughs> we dusted him off, showered him off. <laughs> exactly. He's, made he's him clip his to toenails. He's that brand. <laughs> yeah, now right. we're just bringing it back. <laughs> he probably is. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to use his moniker, Jeff Wilson. PhD is on the show today, Jeff. Welcome Woo-hoo. to the show. You know, sometimes you get called things that are not compliments. Fresh <laughs> is one of those things for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take trashy, I'll take crazy, but fresh, guys. I, I don't know if the podcast can go on. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to get up and walk out yeah. of the studio. <laughs> so, um, Je- so Jeff was on the show a couple, couple years back or thereabouts talking about his, his, at the time, his prototype called Casita. And um, in case the listeners did not listen to, in case our one listener did not listen to the episode, um, <laughs> Casita was, a, uh, was a, a, an innovative housing solution where um, literally the units people would live in could be plugged in or pl- taken out and moved to different locations um, based on this kind of a superstructure that his organization had designed it kind of looked like a Hollywood Squares, and you could take your take your little take your whoopee whoopee your cube gold derby, yeah, <laughs> and just kind of plug it into the little square, and it would plug into all the utilities and services, and and you could, if you wanted to move to a different city, you could take your tiny casita with you and plug into a facility there. But I think the model may have changed a bit, and that's why we wanted to have um, Jeff on the show today. So um, welcome, Jeff. Tell us what's going on with casita these days. Lots of news. I mean, uh, I think when we talked last year, we maybe had four employees. We've got over 40 working at Casita now. Wow. Uh, and, you know, the exciting thing is that we're actually shipping. So just earlier this week on Monday, uh, we sort of released our first unit out into the wild. Uh, there's several on the production floor right now. And um, I guess other news in the last week, we just got approved uh, to put units in California and Nevada. So lots happening. Nice. <laughs> just so what does it, it mean to be approved? And does, is there a cert? Well, I guess, let me back up. So first of all, is, are you still planning to do the infrastructure thing that people would plug into or is it a different model these days. Yeah, so let me go into that a little yeah. bit. You know, we differentiate these two sort of models as the Lego stack and the wine rack. Uh, so you <laughs> might imagine what you were describing was, you know, plugging wines into this sort of superstructure um, in a kind of plug and play manner where folks uh, could move between cities uh, by just putting this thing on a truck, moving it to the next city and plugging it in. And the original idea there was really to deal with land costs. And um, by, by building these superstructures as a developer, 
it would almost be like a rebranded urban vertical trailer park mm. um, to where the <laughs> land could be taken out of the equation, but you could still not exactly the branding that we <laughs> exactly. Went. I was gonna say, is that um, the show? Is that the show title? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, this ended up being one of those things. Like, I don't know if you guys ever earlier in your dating career had that one woman or that one dude that um, you really thought was cool and were really into. Uh, it turned out none of your friends were into them and couldn't understand why you were with them. And then when you finally broke up with that person, everybody said, we hated him. <laughs> we didn't want to tell you, but we really hated that so, guy. Yeah. At one point, I think shortly after the show uh, that we did last year, I said, hey, guys, we're having a lot of trouble engineering this thing. Uh, what do you say we just sort of break up with that idea? Everybody's like, we hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, why didn't you tell us why we were together? So, you know, uh, seriously, that, you know, it, it was not a uh, very good idea beyond a, a thought experiment. And for a couple of reasons, um, one was it was an engineering nightmare. I bet. Casita is the only sort of permittable, codable, if you will, home that I know of that's been designed for six different climates. So this thing can take a 120 mile an hour wind. It can be in a seismic zone in California. It can take snow loads up in Buffalo, New York. Nobody's ever really designed a home like that. And, and that's just a standalone. When you start talking then about stacking these things, you get orders of magnitude of complexity and cost. We've spent over a million dollars uh, just engineering the standalone ADU model of the Casita. Huh. So what is it? So what is the unit? So if you're not do putting them in these superstructures that you had originally planned, what do they sit on? So they are going to now stack directly on top of one another. Uh, the, the structure, uh, that superstructure is now in the walls. Oh, so geez. we can go up uh, four floors now um, mm. around South by Southwest this coming year. We will, uh, shortly after that, we'll have actually our first sort of stacked prototype. Um, it is very complicated, but... You know, we're spending a lot of money on the front end on these things so that we can rapidly scale uh, all over the country. Uh, I will say that the second thing, you know, beyond them hating my, my, my girlfriend <laughs> and the sheer cost and complexity, we found out that our target demographic after doing uh, some asking around just wasn't interested in hauling around a 22,000 pound uh, piece of equipment and huh. looking for somewhere else to plug it in. Hmm. Uh, we think there is a future of more of a kind of uh, housing as a service, almost type of model where you could have casitas all over the world and move between them. Obviously, that's going to take a little while, but it kind of fit the lifestyle um, uh, of the folks that, that want to live lighter. Yeah. So the so these so these units. Um, Let's take the unit, the, um, God, I wish we had that, that sound effect music that they play on shows sometimes when they go, when they do 
let's go back into the time vault. And it goes, yeah, exactly. So let's take our listeners back a bit and describe what these casita units look like because they're not like a, they don't look like a tiny house. They look more like a shipping container. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. container-like, I agree. So, (laughs) yeah, so they are uh, square, much, much like a shipping container, but that is pretty much where the, um, the, the, the parallels sort of stop. Um, we, we wanted to design a unit, uh, that felt like you were in a, you know, modern real home in every way and felt a lot larger than it was square footage wise. So, you know, as most of the folks that listen to this show know, you know, some of the things that you can do to enhance the size of a tiny space are tall ceilings, lots of natural light, uh, figuring out how to kind of tuck things away. So, you know, we've got 10-foot ceilings. Uh, some of you guys have actually been in the casita. Uh, we've got a lot of natural light, and these things were are, are built from the ground up. They're not, they don't use any existing structures mm-hmm. uh, so that we can get them as big as possible and still fit them on a trailer. Mm-hmm. And how, how big are they? Uh, so the uh, production model is now 370 square feet. Mm-hmm. We're building um, one that's going to be a little bit over 400 square feet so we can hit the minimums in some municipalities. Mm-hmm. Um, but they feel huge. I, I don't know you guys that walk through the unit. Uh, you know, I, I typically hear people say they feel like 500, 550. Some people even say 600 square feet uh, just due to these sort of optical things that uh, and experiential things we've done. Mm-hmm. Just to be clear, um, Michelle was the only one who was down there. Mark, <laughs> oh, and, right. I, okay. Mark and I don't travel. <laughs> so, and, so, and again, to circle back. Um, so, Jeff... <clears throat> At our interview in 2016, um, Jeff said, hey, um, if you're ever in Austin, you know, give us a call and we'll show you around. So (laughs) regret much, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't drink all the vodka. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't drink all the vodka. Um, I checked last night. I I got back to Austin. I was like, oh, somebody left a little of my Tito's vodka there. (laughs) There was a lot more when I left, Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, again, so I was going to be in Austin and I reached out to the Casita folks and and just said, hey, I'm going to be in town. You want to have breakfast or, you know, can I can I tour the factory and just kind of catch up and circle back? And uh, I've been watching what they've been doing on the website, of course. And they were uh, kind enough, of course, to uh, to let me stay in the casita and then give me a tour um, of the factory itself. So I can I can say firsthand, the space does not only it lives huge. Does it, it really? It, it, it it's huge. And the other thing too is, for as many tiny houses as I have been in, yeah. Um, this is the one that has the biggest what I call awe factor or sort of like drama or you just walk in and you're just even though it's a modern. Mm-hmm, aesthetic mm-hmm. i love the modern look it yeah. is extremely extremely comfortable huh. very 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 comfortable everything that you need um it's and it of course the high-tech features is very cool too it has a has a um um a pad or tablet that controls everything and the sound and the and the uh the sound and the lights and the and the environment and so forth so it is truly truly amazing it was very comfortable it lives huge and the <laughs> So the shower, they have one of those Nebia, Nebia, 
How do you pronounce that, Jeff? Do you know? I think it's Nebbia. It's a startup, so they probably they should have added a Y, Nebby, Nebby. So they have a mist shower. Um, so it is the lowest, I think it's like the lowest consumption of water possible in a shower. So it's a very cool mist shower instead of like your typical water flow. It's a mist shower. Can it wash off all the soap that you soap yourself up on? Yes. And that's the, yeah, it's very cool. Mm. Huh. Took a little bit of adjusting um, as far because of the fact that the, the shower head was so high up. Uh-huh. So you had to push it down. That's unusual because for I'm tiny short. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm short. So you uh-huh. want the mist actually to be as close to you as possible. Anyway. I see. But it was, it was a great experience. Thank you, Jeff, for your hospitality. Thank your staff for their hospitality and their time. And um, so I do have a question. Can I ask a question? (laughs) So you were talking about actually getting approvals to put them in various states. And one of the states that you mentioned was California. And when I looked at them in the factory and I I saw the super super structure you have in in the roofs and the floors of these in mid-production, I got to see kind of the guts. Um, The first thing I thought of was seismic considerations in California. So if you're going to stack four of them on top of each other, are there other, um, what are the other considerations for that? Yeah. How do they keep from falling over? <laughs> In English. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm not an engineer, uh, so they keep me pretty far away from a lot of the sort of technicalities of this stuff. <laughs> um, as a standalone unit, which is what we you know, got the uh, initial approval on now, that is on the plant, right? So those units that you saw um, were not permittable uh, to California standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were for Texas. So you know, even going through the process of um, you know, just the, the plans getting approved is, is fairly cumbersome. Um, In terms of how the seismic works, um, we had a blog post uh, that Martin, our our CEO, uh, posted a couple of weeks ago that talked about um, all of the uh, different sort of requirements that these things meet. So the 120 mile an hour wind, there is a certain uh, seismic category. Uh, that these things are permitted to, and then and then the snow loads. So, you know, in terms of like, uh, how does that work? I'm I'm not sure how to go into that in a, in a lot more detail. Okay, um, that's fair. It, it 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 works. It's engineered and it's approved. <laughs> that's all that matters. Um, that, that, you know, that. There, there's additional. <laughs> so that so I mean to answer your question about what you saw, the the structural elements of what you saw, those units were not meant to be stacked. Right. We oh. in the in the next iteration, if you were to come six months from now and walk through again, you're going to see okay. a, a different structure than what you saw. <laughs> <laughs> You just inadvertently and in- reinvited Michelle. <laughs> yes. Isn't the word stacked or what? <laughs> okay, yeah, it's a seismic category E for those folks that care about that kind of stuff. Okay. So how much? How much does a? Um, so uh, I got so much questions. We could spend two hours talking about these darn things because they're to me they're beautiful. The only thing that's kind of, and I'm sure you could handle this criticism. Oh. The only thing that that's that I don't like about them is that the bed is not always out. You have, mm. you have to pull in and push out that, that bed. But anyway, and, um, how much does it, yeah, unit, let me, just, yeah, go ahead. Want to talk go about ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. You want to talk about your bed issues? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about my bedroom. <laughs> That's another podcast. Uh, so, so actually that bed has been both the kind of biggest joy and biggest pain in the ass, I no bet. pun intended, uh, with this entire project. Mm-hmm. I mean, we spent tens of thousands of dollars engineering that thing and designing it mm-hmm. uh, to get it to work. And, you know, Michelle, when you stayed in this, uh, you probably actually still had some problems with uh, what, what you stayed on was a prototype version. Um, where the idea came from, uh, was actually straight out of the dumpster, uh, (laughs) of of folding it away, Mm -hmm. you know, in a small space, uh, as all of us that have spent times in, in, in tiny spaces know that the bed is just kind of the biggest waste of space. And typically what you see people do in tiny homes is, uh, either use Murphy beds, but generally lofts. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried both of those in the dumpster, uh, where, you know, the bed took up approximately 90% of the floor space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I, I couldn't get used to it for long-term living. One of the things we want folks to be able to do in a casita is live here the rest of their life if they want. Um, getting up into a loft and consistently kind of throwing around uh, pillows and messing with a Murphy bed um, just didn't seem as sensible as being able to tuck this thing away underneath the kitchen and never have to make your bed again. Um, I think it's one of the secrets that also makes the space feel really large. So I, I, I don't know that. what your experience was with it, Michelle. So, um, so functionally, <clears throat> actually, um, the person that did my uh, sort of um, walkthrough when I checked in, so functionally, I didn't have the opportunity to actually engage with it functionally. She actually pulled it out and said, ta-da, there's the bed. You can push it back in if you want to. And at that point, oh. I had been partying for four days straight. <laughs> So I w- Michelle, <laughs> you shouldn't have divulged that information. <laughs> so um, when I say I left the vodka behind, it's because of the fact that I think all I did when I was there was actually <clears throat> sleep. So, so comfort-wise, it was amazing. I got the best night's sleep I had in probably a long time. But, but functionally, the, the person that walked me through actually pulled it out and showed me, showed me the functionality. But comfort-wise, it was, it was really, really great. Um, I think the cool thing about that too was, so when you're laying in bed, actually you're below the kitchen and you're kind of below the windows yeah. and below the, so it's, it's kind of a really cool, almost a nook feel when you're actually in bed because uh. the rest of the house is above you. And of course, in my tiny house, the rest of the house is below, below me. Mm-hmm. And um, that was very different and very cool and very almost, I guess you would call it enveloping mm. from an architectural mm-hmm. perspective. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I really Yeah, and that was actually designed uh oh go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, I was just gonna say I, I wonder if so when you if you don't make the bed and you roll that thing under the kitchen, do the blanket is there room for the blankets all shuffled up to get in there shuffled up or or would it like yeah, it's pull the designed, blankets out? It, it's designed to take a duvet and pillows. And huh. this is something I consistently push back on the architects. They're like, hey, we could you know, we really want to lower that floor. Why do we need a five inch, six inch gap above the mattress? And I was mm-hmm. like, guys, I don't ever want to make my bed again. Got it. Right. Yeah. And what's beautiful is you just push it underneath it, right? Rather than sweeping stuff under, you know, the, the rug, you push the bed under the kitchen. Huh. <laughs> well, and also there's two little tables on either side of the couch and the fronts of the tables actually open up. 
So the the pillows that actually go on the couch itself, mm-hmm. right? Your kind of fluffy pillows that you mm-hmm. don't sleep with, mm-hmm. but you put on the couch for color, texture, decor, you know, those actually fit easily into the two little cabinets that are oh, the, basically your bedside table. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So you can take the the pillows off the couch, you can put them in the little tables, shut the front, and then pull it out and then reverse the process. Huh. How heavy are these units? Uh, they are in excess of 20,000 pounds. Okay. But under 30,000 pounds? Under 30. Okay. Yeah. I have to say they're they're beautiful on the inside. What kind of options does a person? Well, let me ask next. What, what does it cost for a base model? So the base model is one hundred and thirty nine thousand. Uh, that's for the whole unit, everything included. And you know, this is uh, one of the big kind of conversation points around this versus you know a typical tiny home. Uh, or a uh, stick-built home. You know, when you look at that on a price per square foot kind of basis, right, or if you were to look at it just on a materials kind of basis, it just sounds really high. Um, Actually, kind of funny that, uh, I don't know if you guys have had David Latimer on the show. Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah, we have. He actually stayed here last week and he just texted me this morning. I was like, hey, how much are those casitas? And I told 139, expecting like a lot of blowback. And he said, actually, after staying in that thing, you know, and using all the tech and everything, that that's actually pretty reasonable. I um, agree. There's probably, yeah, there's probably $60,000, six zero uh, that you would have to spend in order to pay somebody to install and configure, build the app, all of the stuff done from a smart home perspective in this. And, and that's all included. So what are, what are some uh, of those features? Oh, can I talk about one of my favorite ones? Sure. Yeah. So again, they have a little tablet that controls the mood and it controls kind of what's going on in the house. Does that tablet come with the unit or do you have to provide that yourself? I believe the tablet comes. Is that correct, Jeff? Uh, the tablet comes with it. Yep. It's okay. an iPad. So, okay. th- and they said it, they said admittedly it was kind of a cool joke, but it's very cool because cool you push. Cool or cruel? Cool. Okay. In, she went right to the in, drunken mode. Hip. Exactly. <laughs> 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 no, actually it was date night mode. Oh. Right? What? And so, uh, let, should I try it right yes, now? Yes, you could try it right now. And, okay. and then they, uh, they're Alexa, not going to get the full ambiance. Turn on date night. Where's the Al Green or the. Uh, yeah. Okay. The lights are going down. Oh. You know what? That just didn't. <laughs> that was a typical. Uh, uh, demo. I was listening to NPR earlier. That is not going to make anybody feel sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Turn Sonos off. Um, so it was a really dramatic interest. See, what, what happens is the lights kind of come down. It gets all sexy time. And then what happens, Michelle, usually? Very white. Is it very oh, white, really? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's get it on. Very nice. I don't know. With a certain type of person, maybe NPR is sort of the equivalent <laughs> yeah. of like. I will tell you that I was so uh, not just impressed, like impressed or inspired doesn't even. Blown those are, away. Those are words that I overuse all the time, so I apologize. But I was so influenced by the tech and by the sound system and by how the interaction between myself and the sound system actually 
felt at the casita, I went out and bought one when I, as soon as I got home. Wow. wow. I actually bought a Sonos Alexa, and now I have a new roommate. And uh, she and I, she does everything I tell her to do. Oh, yeah. Alexa, you mean? Uh, yeah. yeah. Alexa's um, pretty amazing. Yeah. Alexa. Yeah. But anyways, I, again, it's for as many tiny houses as I've stayed in, none of or been in, none of them were clearly as influential on my perspective wow. of technology wow. or tiny houses or the advantage. I literally, right. that was the next day I went and said, nope, the sound system and again, the light control and everything like that all makes the it so cool. Hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, this goes back to kind of the core DNA of Casita and it, it, it's birth, really, as a dumpster baby. Um, <laughs> you know, we, uh, we, we set out not originally uh, with architects, MEP engineers, real estate developers, you know, much like somebody building a tiny home, right? Uh, we, we'll design it almost as much as like a project. We designed this really as an integrated piece of hardware and software. So, you know, I didn't even hire a full-time architect till uh, pretty good after the show last year. We had uh, product designers, industrial designers, people that now work at uh, Tesla, <coughs> uh, design cars and batteries and solar panels, uh, design this thing to 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 really be a plug and play kind of experience, uh, much more than a convenience, much more than we think any any other home out there. And so, you know, it's really hard to talk about Casita as like a, a typical house or home or, or tiny home or micro unit. I I kind of like to just call it a Casita. And I don't know, Michelle, you've seen so many of these things, you know. If you got that feeling that it was categorically something different, or if it was just something with an Alexa added, no, it was categorically different. I mean, you can tell the intentionality beside be, behind every single feature, the window placement and the functionality of the television, and again, you can tell the level of design and functionality and technology and the interaction between all of that. Did you see that? Does a television come included in it? Yes. It's ready to live in, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Washer, dryer, Washer, shower. dryers in there too? Yeah. yeah. So you can tell this is an entirely wow. different level of functionality. And I do want to circle back to the price point. Um, and David Latimer's, I wanted to echo his, his sentiment. Um, tiny houses in general, the more they've gotten more popular, they got the whole supply demand thing. Mm -hmm. The average price for tiny houses is definitely headed you know, increases almost exponentially every six months or so. And now we're seeing more than a few $120,000, $150,000 tiny houses yeah. roll off the line That's every true. month. That's yeah. um, not uncommon. There's about three builders right now that are building mm -hmm. them um, that have backlog in that price point. So, and those are eight and a half feet wide by 24 to 28 feet long. Um, amazing and beautiful mm -hmm. and functional. Mm -hmm. But at the 139000 price point for a casita, I would echo David's um, sentiment. That's a bargain. So, so how Especially if it includes delivery, by the way. Yeah, I get it. So, Jeff, how, how much can you, um, if at all, can you uh, uh, modify? Like, what are the, what, are the uh, what do you call those things? Options that are available. Customization. Options. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, one of the, in, in that whole uh, thread of thinking about Casita as a product, um, we need to be able to scale, right? So, 
we are not aiming so much to uh, have these things could completely bespoke, right? But to utilize the form factor and the materials and the supply chain as much as possible, so that we can scale and solve some real problems. Um, so. You know, in terms of options, we have some options for the exterior cladding. Mm -hmm. uh, we can do some options on uh, things like flooring. But in terms of altering the floor plan, the windows, uh, the frame, that kind of stuff, it's all fairly consistent. Now, what that allows us to do is eventually get the costs way down. So, you know, once we're producing 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 <coughs> casitas a year, um, you know, we should be able to get that 139 price point down below 100 grand, uh, you know, three, four years from now, very wow. much, you know, in a, in a Tesla Model 3 kind of fashion. So, the, so the, on your website, under the Get Started page, there's a picture mm -hmm. of a casita that has, in addition to that little window bulb that sticks out, it has these vertical windows. But then on the other, the product page, the casita that's featured there besides the window bulb, has horizontal, horizontal windows, windows across the top. Which yeah. one is the real one? That's right. So the one that Michelle stayed in, the one with the clear story, the horizontal windows, was our beta prototype. Mm. The one that's going into production has the slotted windows that allow you to look out the side, yeah. have some shades on those. But that was also done um, when we were talking about the uh, sort of permittability and the bringing things up to code and being able to stack things. Um, when you stack one unit on top of another, uh, you know, having to transfer loads down across those horizontal windows uh, becomes a problem. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, our website will be updated soon with the newer products. Um, there are a couple of other changes as well. Um, and, and this is one of the great things about having an iterative product is that you can say, okay, um, we had a lot of people look at the closet in the beta in the unit that Michelle stayed in and say, hey, uh, there's a little problem here. I would like more closet space. Mm. And I'd also like to be able to hang a dress in here. You know, we had a team of all male designers. Problem. And <laughs> guess what they did? Yeah. Uh, they did not uh, allocate space for. So, you know, once we brought uh, some folks in to test the unit and got some women on our design team, they said, hey, people may want to hang something longer than a T-shirt or a <laughs> pair of pants in these closets. So we've tripled the amount of closets. And uh, all of those closets now are able to accommodate, uh, you know, longer, longer wear, a jumpsuit or a uh, dress. Very cool. Um, actually, that was that very subject right there. Um, we discussed in every single unit that we walked in. Huh. Exact same. The first thing I did as I walked in, I, you know, took out my hanging clothes that I had been packing around in my suitcase and said, okay, where's the closet? <laughs> and uh, yeah, we had that exact huh. conversation um, funny. when I when I walked in mm -hmm. as well. Now the the funny thing too is you can also see that the uh, that that closet, however, does have the slots in the side. So if you are a guy, you can put your little shelves in there mm -hmm. and, and eliminate the eliminate the hanging space. But it is funny that that these uh, shall we say recurring themes uh, mm -hmm. um, keep coming up or or 
yep, that's the right message. <laughs> Women want to live there yeah. too. Yeah, and that's what's fantastic about this is that we can make those tweaks and adjustments, you know, as we go through the production cycle. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, we're never going to have that issue again. You know, when you when you look at uh, a product versus a home or a one-off model, you know, a, an upgrade or a product iteration on on your house, you know, might be ripping out the formica table uh, countertops and putting in marble, Yeah, right? You can't actually iterate, uh, you know, far, far into the, the future. So yeah. that's one of the things that's really, that, that's really nice that we're able to do as well. Interesting. I have a background in production and manufacturing as well. So oh, wow. it was really great to <clears throat> see, of course, to, to stay in the prototype and then go to the production factory and notice the layout and the material storage and also the differences between the different prototypes and the different models. Um, and you could see, again, the evolution and the thought process mm -hmm. behind in this model, it looks like this. And then they had what they call beta, which B, and then mm -hmm. they had C models. Um, so that was very fun. And again, the production process was fascinating to me as well, understanding. In fact, I even talked to their guys about lean manufacturing and, and mm -hmm. uh, it, was, mm -hmm. it was pretty fun. It was a great experience. Yeah, and that goes back to, you know, how I designed and thought about this company from the beginning. Um, you know, we did not hire folks from a traditional prefab manufacturing place. In fact, I, I refused to hire any of them um, initially because we wanted to really do things different. We wanted to make Casita a lot more like a car or like mm. a, a phone or any other product. So, all the folks you met, they were played, you know, I don't know if you asked any of them where they were from. Adriana, our, our engineer, is from Boeing. We had somebody from General Motors, from Philips, from Apple, uh, from Google's uh, product side, from Dell, um, from Bell Helicopter. Uh, we brought in folks from uh, traditional manufacturing industries, uh, you know, that, that have been able to produce what you saw there in the factory. Mm. So I have a question structurally. Um, these, um, if if a unit is standing on its own, so it doesn't have a unit on top of it, or I guess if, even if it did, mm -hmm. since they have a flat roof, how do they accommodate like um, snow loads and things like that? Uh, so they um, they let's see if I can tell you. Um, yeah. So they will take roof snow loads of 125 pounds per square foot. Um, so the, uh, the, the roof and the structure of the roof is designed uh, to be able to take that as is, um, or when they're stacked, uh, the, the top level will take that. We're, we're even designing um, top level roof decks as well. Wow. Uh, that could be accessed, that you could have a little barbecue pit up there or a little bar or a uh, hammock or whatever you like. 370 square feet of deck. Oh, I know, man. That'd this be so awesome. awesome. That'd be sweet. I mean, cool. the, the one picture that you have of on your website of um, the underutilized space picture where you have these two casitas sitting on top of an existing structure, I could just see that. You know, you take your garage that has a peak roof, cut the peak roof off, make it flat and structurally sound, and then put a casita on it, and suddenly you have this amazing mm -hmm. yeah. getaway space. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually talking to somebody in Soho right now, 
uh, about this. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, visiting this guy last week and, uh, you know, we went up to his roof deck and looked across and uh, somebody had put some I-beams with some big air conditioning units, uh, a neighbor, and I said, well, why can't we just throw some I-beams on top of this and, you know, put a couple of casitas up here? They'd weigh less than those air conditioning units. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the one of the ways that we are looking to solve the housing crisis is not by just making cheaper housing, but by fitting into these cracks in space and time um, and, and, and slotting units in there, right? So that might be rooftops. It may be a, a parking lot that somebody is just kind of sitting on, right? Raising some casitas above that and then moving them, you know, when they want to convert that parking lot to a high rise, wow. uh, all kinds of things like that. That's just, Jeff, this is just, the, the possibilities literally are endless. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could see these things even sitting in on top of little barges out in a river someplace or a lake or something. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, speaking of uh, uh, things like that, uh, we currently have mm -hmm. um, under design something that we call the lighthouse, the Casita Lighthouse. Um, this is going to be a disaster relief rapid deployment module uh, that's a little bit smaller, uh, but also can combine uh, side by side. So, mm. you know, if this would have been something that we've been working uh, with FEMA on this, but it, it actually two side by side modules, um, and I can send you a link for this uh, for you guys' website later. Uh, for the floor plan, but you could actually sleep six in one of these. So you don't have everything in one module, but we're still using that same general frame that Michelle saw mm -hmm. um, to be able to combine these. So I just think about like the, the recent, uh, you know, hurricane and, and flooding issues we had in Houston or the Santa Rosa fires. Right. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just de de deliver a casita to somebody's backyard in Santa Rosa where their house had had burned down and they they could live in a, a comfortable setting with dignity you know and watch as their their home got rebuilt yeah uh, those are the kind of things that really get me excited very cool what if a person wanted to double the size of his his or her living space and have two casitas put together could you guys accommodate that or is that too bespoke yeah, so the lighthouse has a double floor plan, um, so you can combine these 350 square feet uh, side by side uh, and, and get yourself 700 square feet. And, you know, when you are using them, um, and, and we've thought about space very carefully in those as well, uh, you know, we, we've made these things to actually accommodate six folks. And it would still look like the current casitas? It looks similar to the current casita. Um, it has that we've we've gotten rid of the cantilevered cube on the front and just made that uh, glass. Uh, that allows us to get costs down on yeah. these. You know, we're aiming for a price point, uh, uh, not quite half, but maybe two thirds uh, the cost of a casita, and still containing almost all the same technology. By the way, very very cool. Well, Jeff, this is this was a fantastic show. Um, kind of outside of what we normally talk about, but we loved it. Mm -hmm. uh, we'd love to have you back maybe in another couple of years and see where you're at. Maybe you'll have your first Yeah, multi uh, would love to. Yeah. And, you know, we are really excited about, uh, you know, getting all over the country uh, with <clears throat> these as ADUs. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually coming to Portland next week. So uh, my first trip ever to Portland. So I'm pretty excited about being out there and 
checking out the environment and getting myself a little bit of coffee. Where are you, <laughs> <laughs> you going to be in Portland? I don't even know. Okay. So we're going to have to have you come to the studio and at least meet Mark and I. Michelle will be out of town. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be cool. All right, cool. Bring your umbrella. <laughs> Bring your umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry I won't be able to return, uh, return the favor, the hospitable favor, uh, my rental. It's not quite, you not missed quite it yet. by about two <laughs> weeks. So next time you circle through, I'll return the favor and you can come stay in my rental, my little <laughs> tiny. Awesome. All right. Well, Jeff, uh, thank you very much for being on the show. And Tiny House listeners, this was another fascinating episode of the Tiny House podcast. And we'd love to have you come back and listen to another episode next week because it's going to be just as interesting. Any, do we have any reviews or anything? Else? I did look today. Yeah, that's okay. And then uh, just a quick shout out to Jeff McNerney because he is primarily responsible for those kudos that Michelle gave us at the beginning of the show. So thanks for making it sound so good, Jeff. Rick, you guys. Jeff, Rick. Sure, Rick. <laughs> Rick. Rick. Thank McNerney. you, Jeff. Thank you, Rick. Rick they McNerney. all make us amazing. <laughs> I know. I'm, bl I'm blending our guests together with our sound engineer. Anyway, that's it. Uh, see you next week. Bye. Bye. See you guys. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Main. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sitecast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>